Well, this is uh, the second week of Advent. Advent simply means coming in the Christian calendar, the four weeks leading up to Christmas or Advent. It's this idea of anticipation and longing for the next move of Christ. Um, Traditionally, Christians have anticipated this in two particular ways. Certainly, we are joining in with the ancient longing for the Messiah that we see throughout the Old Testament and in the beginning pages of the New Testament, this this idea of the Messiah coming. And then once Jesus came, then we that have followed are anticipating his second coming. And so as I was thinking about this that this week, I thought it very curious that that means that all humans, every single one of us has been designed to live in a time of longing, that we are all anticipating something um, beyond what we have seen. And I just thought that was fascinating. Um, that because my belief is that God is totally good and that he always wants the best for us, that somehow this longing must be good for us. It must be the best place for us to live in that we're longing for the next move of Christ. Now, we can certainly get this out of balance, um, you know, because this idea of longing is pretty easy for us, isn't it? I mean, there's anything that we look for in life. I don't know about you, but once I get it, then I'm kind of ready for the next thing. You all experience that? Things don't seem to satisfy. Um, as easily, Paul talked about that and cautioned us that we can certainly get out of balance with this, that particularly in our financial world, he said, we've got to learn how to live wherever we're at. He said he learned in how to live and having little and, and having much. So we've got to caution not to get out of balance. But I just wonder, about what, what if this sense of longing is actually the healthiest place for us to live, this longing for the next move of God to put things in order in the world is healthy and not only healthy, but it is, is it good for us? And how is it good for us? And so we're gonna take a look at that today is, is what about this longing? What does it do in us? That benefits us. We're going to take a look at a story that's in First Luke. Many of you are familiar with it. But in the beginning of First Luke, we're introduced to a woman named Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah. They're very spiritual people. They love God. They're pursuing Yahweh with all of their heart. Zachariah, in fact, is a priest. And Elizabeth comes from a family of priests. Now, one of the things that we learn about them immediately is that they are barren and they are very old. Now, to the Jewish readers, as they begin to read that, they're automatically going to be thinking about people in the Old Testament, their word that they had read, that were barren. And they would probably have a sense of anticipation. They would think about um, Abraham and Sarah. They would look back at Hannah, and they would start to say, okay, in Scripture, when someone was said to be barren, God was about to step in. And he was about to move. And the child that would come would be a very special child, one that God was going to use in the world. Now, I've wondered as I've looked at Scripture and I, I see the, that God uses uh, couples that have struggled with infertility to bring about an incredible child into the world. And I've wondered what that means or why. And one of the things that I've thought about just through some of the things that we have gone through is I think these couples were in a position to be really open to God. They felt powerless. They really didn't have control over this. It had to be a miracle of God for them to have a child. And so I think they saw that child in even a different perspective. 
We've even said with some of the struggles that we had with multiple miscarriages and having one child and not sure if we could have any more. When we look at our four children, we are amazed at the goodness of God. Even after all of these years, we just look at them and go, this is absolutely the gift of God. Now, our kids are the most incredible people in the world. Um, and I'm not biased in that because I've asked Brent and he agrees with me and it's the same. But we never had the option of taking our kids for granted because we knew we couldn't just go have another one. We didn't have that option. We cherished everything about them. I remember saying, I don't care how much college costs. If I could have kids, I will pay every penny of it. You know, that's gotten a little challenge lately, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to pick up the story here in, in Luke 111. Zachariah had been chosen to have temple duty and was going about his task when in verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Well, yeah. Um, wouldn't you be a little bit? I would be startled um, and gripped with fear if some angel just pooped out of the air. Um, but we have to understand this particular setting uh, in this time uh, of, of life. You know, we even in our world talk pretty freely about miraculous things that we've heard that have taken place. We've, gosh, God did a miraculous thing there. We hear of a healing or we hear of this or that. And it's fairly, fairly common for us to consider that. We have to understand that this was at a time where they had heard in some of the ancient writings about how God had been involved in people's lives and how angels had shown up and how miracles had taken place. But it had been 400 years from the time that these things had happened. And so we have to understand that, that this was truly an out-of-the-world kind of an experience to them, that they were not anticipating this kind of intervention. Let's go on to verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angels, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Not only was Zechariah in shock because here's this angel suddenly appearing, but he was struggling to believe that this could possibly be true. If he looked at it from the way things were from reality, this is impossible. This cannot happen. And as we were reading this this week and we were thinking about it, I started wondering, are those things in our lives that God has whispered to us, are there those things that we've said, oh, I thought it was God at the time, but that's impossible. That's, there's no way that that could actually be. Maybe we need to pull some of those back out again and say, yes, it may look impossible, but when God wants to do something, he can do it regardless of the circumstances. It goes on verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. 
and have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I kind of hear a little bit of tone in Gabriel's voice. It's like, do you not know who I am? Um, I'm an angel for heaven's sake. Look at me. I've been in the presence of God and I just poof, show up in front of you and you don't believe me. And so it's almost like Gabriel's a little bit ticked here, it sounds like. Um, And so he does something that's very interesting. At least on the surface, it looks like a punishment um, for his unbelief. goes on in verse 20 and says, Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, we don't know why this was chosen. We don't know why it was chosen for Zachariah not to be able to speak. Um, we don't know if uh, the angel knew that you know, he was going to speak this to them, say this is going to happen, that they had to keep a positive attitude, and maybe Zachariah was a little melancholy. You know, if he would go home and go, honey, you're not going to believe it. I saw an angel and said, We're gonna, can you believe it? We're going to have a baby. And maybe the angel was concerned there was so much negativity that Zachariah would have passed on that it would have never happened. Or maybe Zachariah's mouth got him in trouble with his wife from time to time. And uh, the angel knew that if Zachariah had a chance to keep talking, that there was no way a pregnancy was going to happen. Um, again, don't know. Don't know why that was. But for some reason, he wasn't able to talk. In this chapter, Luke intertwines the birth of John the Baptist with Jesus. You know, John is there to proclaim the way of the Lord. And so he has this going back and forth in this chapter where we see the angel appearing to Zechariah and telling him about John. And then we see the angel appearing to Mary and telling her about Jesus. So the story goes on. John is born and everyone around is saying, let's name him after his father, Zechariah. And Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. And they're all confused. They're like, what? You don't have any relatives named John? You have this one child? Of course you should name him after his father. So they go to Zechariah and they say to him, what is his name? And he writes on a tablet and he says, his name is John. I think at that point something significant happened in Zechariah. I think that was an acknowledgement that this child is from God that I know he has a special call on his life. And I'm giving up my right to name him my name because God has already named him. God has already placed a call on his life. And to think he was surrendering this child to God and saying, I hand him over to you to do the very thing that you've called him to do. And at that moment, Zachariah could speak again. And the first words that he spoke really were like a song or like a poem. They're beautiful. In verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father, Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, 
to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Obviously, something came alive in Zechariah at this time. Uh, there's going to be times in the life of all Christ followers where something's going to stir in you. You're going to become spiritually alive because of an experience that you had. There's also going to be times where you're not going to have heard the voice of God for a while. We have these times where something happens where we just know that we know that this is God's voice. And then there's times where it's, how long has it been since I've heard God's voice and I'm trying to hear it? We're going to kind of parallel each other in some ways. We certainly have had some times where we've had situations happen where something's come alive in us where we just knew that we knew that this was God. Never heard an audible voice, but there's just that sense, that's that knowing that this is the voice of God. In the late 90s, we were working in a mega church and been there for 17 years and uh, very felt very fruitful in what we were doing. And we thought that we might be there long term and, and hadn't thought anything different from that. And then during... Uh, the last year that we were there, circumstances were changing and something started coming alive in us that we knew that we were supposed to go and launch out and do something. And it became clearer and clearer that we were to go plant a church. Now on the surface, the circumstances at the time, this made absolutely no sense. First of all, we didn't have a sending body that said, we'll support you for a year. And, and we had, had, didn't, didn't have that. And therefore, that means we had no money. And we also had no congregation. Those were kind of both important um, in, in planning a church. We didn't have a building to meet in. But we had this sense of what we were supposed to do. It was, it was clear. There was, a, there was a longing in our heart for something. But we, we weren't given much more than a day ahead or a week ahead for a long period of time. But something happened. As a matter of fact, I want to go back to that time and Oftentimes, and I want to grab myself and I want to go, self, what are you thinking? This absolutely makes no sense. We had four kids to, to take care of. It was a time in our life where this just didn't, didn't make any sense. But as we look back on that time, it caused such a focus, such an intense focus in us that some things formed in us like, like never before. Again, we, we, we had this longing for what God said to do. But the circumstances were challenging. We took a step. We took another step. It was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of intense focus. But God continued to remind us, continued to show up and do some amazing things in the life of this young church. We used to say, you know, there's steps of faith and leaps of faith. We were in free fall. It was like, whoa, I don't know what's going to happen here. Are we absolutely crazy? Because, you know, Tulsa needs more churches. Um, but, but it really was one of the best times in our lives. We couldn't see very far ahead. There would be times that we would, you know, go, I don't know what's going to happen next week or even tomorrow at this particular point. But it built our faith in a level like nothing else ever has. There was a deepness and a richness at that particular time that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. Sometimes when we're being really, really stretched... That's the very thing that God wants to do to build that faith and to build that strength in us. We got roots from that time that we were going through that. We also see this power of longing and, and looking and anticipating something uh, happen um, or come alive in people that are in very desperate situations. We have the opportunity um, in the middle of the week to, 
to meet, pe- meet with people that are in some of the most desperate situations that, that you can imagine. Um, the last 10 years in particular, over half of my practice is, is couples that are in dire straits and they are just at the bottom. Uh, it seems like several pastors in town, when they don't know what to do with a couple and it's the most difficult situation they deal with, they send them to me. Uh, over half of the time, I spend couples that have had serious breaches of trust. Somebody's had an affair. One of the most difficult things that can happen in a marriage. And I tell you what, I have seen something happen in those circumstances. Uh, when, when a couple gets a sense, because they come in and they just have lost all vision. They have no idea how they could possibly get better. Um, the offender has no idea how the person could possibly ever trust them again. And certainly the offended is, again, has, has no thought of how could I possibly ever trust them again. They have lost all vision, very discouraged, um, ready to give up. But when they catch a glimpse, when I begin to lay out a, a plan for what God could possibly do, and they start getting a glimpse of that, it creates a longing in their heart. And they begin on that journey and something happens in them like I don't see in other circumstances. I have a lot of couples, so uh, other parts of my practice where couples are just, you know, they're just not really real satisfied with their marriage. You know, nothing serious is really happening, um, but they come in because they want to kind of tweak it or just want to enhance it. And, and I still encourage couples to come at that time, uh, but there's not the same kind of focus. For those that come in or that are this, this desperate, I oftentimes say to them in some of the very first sessions, I said, you have lost the luxury of having just an okay marriage. You're not going to be able to just kind of hang on. Either you are going to get a vision of what can happen and you're going to put your shoulder to the plow and you're going to work at this and you're going to follow this plan and, and, and you're going to work at it so hard that you will come out with an amazing marriage or you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to end up in between there. And what I see when both are in that position where I'll do whatever it takes uh, for us to recover, I see God do something so powerful in those circumstances. I hear testimony after testimony after testimony of, you know, Brent, we are better off than we ever were in our relationship. They never even thought they could get that way. Because it required such a focus, such a holding on and such a longing uh, for, for what can be. And I have a lot of colleagues that ask, you know, we kind of trade stories and, and ask about, well, you know, affairs are so hard to uh, recover. How, you know, how are, how are you doing and what, what do you see? And I said, you know, I'm seeing like probably 80 to 90%, which is a crazy percentage of couples that walk away with this amazing testimony because of what God uh, has done in their life. And so there is, this, there is this power in this longing. It is something in us when we have to stretch outside of ourselves, outside of our own resources, we have to trust Christ's next move that he does amazing things. You know, we've also gone through some seasons that were dark and silent in our lives. I think of a time when the kids were little and we had a crazy amount of illnesses and our son had a kidney disease. And my do- my father had a brain aneurysm all within a very short period of time. And it was one of those questionings, what are we doing wrong? What is happening? 
And then even a few years ago, we went through a very difficult time where we felt like as a church, we were to move towards embracing some of the traditions of the church. We were moved more towards communion and, and to the creeds. And we had some people that we were very close to for many years that really pushed against that. It was a really hard time for us because the more we tried to explain what we felt like God was saying to us, it seemed like the more misunderstood we were. And in the midst of that time, it felt like God wasn't speaking. It felt like things were dark and they were barren. And it was just one of the most painful processes that we've ever been through. And there was this longing in us. We were longing for God's next move. I told Janice during this time, because I was having, I mean, I was having coffees and lunches and meetings and trying to explain what I felt like God was saying. And, and I'm telling you, it just got worse. Every, every time I explained something, it just got worse. And I told her, I said, you know, I just need to stop talking. I said, I just need to be quiet. Um, and I actually felt if I heard anything during that season, it was God saying to me, just be quiet. Stop. And I don't think he said, shut up. But it was pretty much like, it was just stop it. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I need you to like start talking. Okay, I need I need to hear some stuff. I need to hear some people that you visited in the night, and they come and say, Pastor, we God spoke to us, and we see what's happening here. We understand what God's been doing through the ages and the power of it. Oh my gosh, Lord spoke to us last night. It didn't happen, um, and we went through this long season. I tell you what, I n- never been on my knees longer and more consistent in in my life than, than during that time. Once again, um, God did something in us. Now, I, I don't want to repeat that uh, time, but God did something in us during that time because we knew we weren't able to do it. It was obvious. Whatever I was doing wasn't working. Um, but we were waiting on him to do something. I believe that these times of silence are part of our Christian journey. I believe it's a myth to think that you accept Christ in your life and, and boy, you're just, it's just going to start clicking. You're going to start hearing him consistently and he's going to move, you know, every day and something new is going to, and fresh is going to happen all the time. Um, that's not the way this works. There are times where, yes, we know that God has said this. And there are times that it's like, God, are you still around? Um, have you gone to sleep on us? Um, where are you? And at those moments, I believe that sometimes in the longing, it's in the longing for him that the deepest works happen in our life. And those are the times, the times of darkness, where things seem barren and they seem silent. Those are the times we need to tell our story. We need to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God throughout our past life, that we can look back and go, I may not feel him right now, but I remember a time when he did this and recount the goodness that we've seen in our lives. It's a time that we need to hear other people's stories because if I'm going through a dark time and you tell me how you are seeing God move, that's an encouragement to me. That makes me go, yes, I remember. I need to continue to focus on the goodness of God even if I can't feel him right now. This setting, the the book of uh, Luke comes at a time when God had been silent to his people for 400 years. There hadn't been any prophets raised up in 400 years. Now, God was still at work, but they didn't hear his voice. And so it was a quiet time for them for a long period of time. 
They weren't used to seeing the miracles. They weren't used to feeling that personal relationship with God. They didn't have those kind of experiences. They lived everyday life. Zachariah just went through life and he worked and he thought about his family and he thought about the crops and he thought about the community. He was just in everyday existence when this very thing happened. But underneath, we can tell that there was this anticipation. There was this, Zachariah knew that things weren't right, that things weren't right in the world. He saw his people, God's people, that were being overrun by foreigners and, and being abused and neglected and pushed down. And, and he knew that there was still another move. And so there was, again, that longing. Uh, and he tapped into that deeper hope. He had to look back at that point to what had happened with his ancestors years and years ago, what the ancient scriptures said, that God had delivered them out of Egypt and he parted the Red Sea. And that's what he had to hang on to, that because of that, God will do something new in our life. And I think that's where we end up oftentimes when we go through these silent times because we don't control the future. And God gets that. He knows that, I mean, he sees the beginning and the end of all things. And he knows that we don't, we see very limited, you know, in this room right now, we can see about 50 feet, maybe hundred feet, depending on where you're at. We don't even know what's going out on main street here. He knows that he knows that that's our limited view. And so um, we have to continue to remind ourselves of what he's done and therefore what he can still do. And one of the things that we need to do as a body is we need to seek out people that have lived this life of faith for a while. You know, people that have been in the faith for a number of years, they've seen the seasons of life and they've seen the faithfulness of God. There's something rich about somebody that has gone through a long life serving God. And if you're young and you need wisdom, seek out people that have been Jesus followers for a number of years. They can give you that encouragement in just hearing their story, hearing the things that they've gone through and the things that they have seen from God. You know, I had a neat experience this last week. I had a, a little girl at my age, somebody 30 is a little girl um, in my office. And she had one child and she was struggling uh, to get pregnant with another child and struggling with infertility. And it so paralleled my own story that I really felt led to share with her some of my own story and what God had done. And, you know, I wouldn't want to go through some of the painful things that we have been through in our lives ever again. But it is so wonderful to look and to see people being healed just by hearing your story, just by having that encouragement of, yes, I went through that. I felt that. I was there. And this is what God's done. People may need to hear your story. You may need to hear your story to remember the faithfulness of God. Zachariah had lived through a lot. Zachariah had lived through the agony, their personal agony of being childless and having the shame that was associated with that in that particular culture, the sense of loss in not having a son. But he also knew the story of his people and he knew the pain of his people, that they were crying out for a redeemer. They were crying out for a deliverer. And he also knew hope. He knew hope that God is gonna follow through. God will come and he did come with the birth of this baby. So we see this big picture at Christmas time. We, we hear this break in the silence of 400 years and Christ, you know, God's next move in the world. 
I think another thing that that is very important that I think this story shows us about is that our individual stories count. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth were not uniquely special people. They were just living ordinary lives, going through their daily experience, but they were longing for something more. And I think all of us have something going on in our, in our life that parallels this, that something that we believe that God is supposed to do, but it isn't, um, the, the fruition of that has not yet been experienced. And again, I think there's something in that that strengthens us and heals us and is very powerful for us. Even if life is grand, and some of you are in a situation where life is really good, yet you still know that there's still something more. As a matter of fact, C.S. Lewis says it well, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So where are you at in your life right now? Do you find yourself longing for something more? Do you find yourself anticipating what God is going to do next? Or maybe you know he said something, but you don't see it coming about. I encourage you, continue to press into God. Continue to seek that thing that he has spoken into your heart. Some of you, this is a nudge that you need to say, you know what? I am going to tell my story. I'm going to remind myself and others of the faithfulness of God. Even if I don't see it right now, I'm going to remember the good things that he did in the past. And that's going to give me hope for the future. I know he's going to follow through in the future. Some of you are in a season where you feel the incredible blessing of God. I'm in that season right now where it just feels like God is blessing me over and beyond what I deserve. And it's wonderful. And it's something we want to celebrate. But we also have to remember that all of those blessings come from God. It can be so easy to start thinking that it's something I've done or something I've earned somehow. All good gifts are from God, and he blesses his people so that we can be a blessing to others. If you're in that season, it may be a time where you go, okay, God, how do you want me to pour into the life of other people? How do you want me to be about your business on earth? And some of you find yourself in that silent time where you've been longing for something and longing for something and asking for something, and you don't feel like anything, you're getting any response. We just want to encourage you to keep persevering. Um, don't get weary in well-doing. Keep pushing on. Keep praying, even though it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Keep praying and trusting that something is at work in you, that in that longing, in that stretching of your faith, that it's actually doing something in you, that there are deep roots. And one of our challenges is all this doesn't happen overnight. It's a little-by-little process that develops in us. We all want things so fast, but trust that little by little, those roots are going deeper. Those roots are going deeper. Come and continue to worship. Now, some of you don't get the worship thing. You know, some of you, it's obvious that you love worship and you love the singing. And some of you come and stand and you go, can we like get past this part? Um, that just, it just doesn't make sense to you. I get that. Not everybody's the same. Um, but come and participate anyway. Just see what stretching yourself a little bit. Uh, will do. Some of you, when you go through these dry times, the number one tendency that you have is to pull back and to isolate. And that's um, very counterproductive. Don't let that tendency um, take hold in you. Keep pressing towards community. Keep, keep coming to church. Keep connecting with people. Um, move towards them. 
There's something about the power of community. We're all supposed to be helping each other in that. Some of you that are going through blessings and some of you are going through dry times need to connect more and remind each other. And it might reverse next month. Um, some of you that are going through that dry season, might, something might come alive. And some of you that are in the blessing might go through a difficult season. That's what community is all about, is that we hang in there with each other consistently and we pull back towards one another. So whatever it is that that is part of your faith journey, those disciplines of the faith, keep leaning towards those and continue to come to the table. There's something about this table that reminds us that we can't do this. Uh, none of the blessings are wrought by our hand. Um, that, that, that longing that we have will only happen through him and, and his power. And so continue to come to the table, continue to be reminded, longing for something more. I ask you to stand to your feet, ask our servers to come and get in position. God, we trust you that this place of longing, this place of not yet knowing uh, what's going to happen, that this true faith journey, believing in something that we don't yet see, that it's not just about the thing that's going to happen, but it's about the deep work that happens in us in the longing. And so during this Advent season, this time of anticipation, this time of longing, we just relax in you and trust your good work. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. As we lift up the bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Lord, we give thanks. Lord, we're thankful for the provision. We're thankful for the future that you have designed for us. We're thankful that we have a history to go back to and to see uh, your move in our life. Thank you. Scripture said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we now receive you in this bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. So we lift up the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we now receive you in the cup. Let's just prepare our hearts and pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So with anticipation in your heart, with longing in your heart, if you're going through one of those seasons of blessing, I just want to tell you, you've not seen anything yet. He is going to bless you even more than you can imagine. If you're going through a dry season, I encourage you to come with a longing and anticipation in your heart and anticipation of healing in your physical body. Some of you need physical healing in your body. Come anticipating, come longing for that. Some of you need to get a clear view about something that, that you believe God has called you to do or to be about or something's supposed to happen in your life. Come longing for that fulfillment to begin to 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 come alive in you. Some are looking for another level of community or relationship and come longing and anticipating and trust him in the midst of longing.
Come and receive.